Thank you, thank you, Gary, for that this morning and letting us just praise our Savior. Dan, thank you for the new song. We'll, we'll, we'll get better on that. We're, we're learning that. It's a, a beautiful praise song, and uh, thank you guys for singing with us this morning. We're going to be in John 15 here in just a minute. John 15, and well, we're getting over back toward the end of John. I think we've just got about four, four more chapters, well, four or five, uh, 21 chapters, so we've got about six chapters left after today. I've enjoyed walking through John with you. I've learned a lot. I hope you have too. Today we're going to look at the final of the seven I Ams. Uh, we've been, ever since the beginning of John, we've been looking at these different I Ams. Jesus said, I am the bread. I am the great shepherd. I am the light. I am the gate. I am the resurrection of life. I am the way, the truth, the life. And today I am the vine. I am the true vine. We look at our vine here. Uh, we, they, he was talking about grapes and as he talked to the disciples and He's trying to leave them with some encouragement. He knows it's just about time for him to go to the cross. It's about time for him to to shed his blood for our our sins and to pay the price so that we may have eternal life if we only believe. And so last week we looked at this, and last Sunday night we looked at that. And uh, up, it's not on the screen today, but if I just want to read this to you. In 14, Sunday night we talked about, he said there in 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to the world... As the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So he's, he's offering them some things. He's offering them some things to hold on to because he's got to go. And he knows that this world is going to be tough. And I think as we here at, in 2014, we know, without a shadow of a doubt, you can know they're sitting in your chair this morning, this world can get awfully tough. And probably right now, it is tough for a lot of you in this room. And Jesus said, I, I need you to understand some things. I need you to understand that I'm going to be there for you. I want you to understand that, yes, in this life, troubles will come. He didn't say may come, they might come. He said troubles will come. We looked at that with the youth this morning. And the reason troubles come is because of our own disobedience in the garden. Sin came into this world, and it began to fracture and tear up, and it began to taint everything that is out there. And he said, I've come, and I want to give you some things to hold on to because it's going to get hard. And there's going to be days you're not going to feel like you can even go on. There's going to be days where you just want to crawl under a rock and hide. And he was talking to this band of 11 guys because Judas had just left to, to go betray him. And he's saying, guys, it's going to get tough. And he, was, he knew what they were going to face. Every one of the disciples except for John, I believe, suffered a, a martyr's death. They, they died for the cause of Christ. Guys, that's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. Some were beheaded. Some were crucified upside down. Some went through just agony and anguish and were beaten and scorned and made fun of and ridiculed because of the cause of Christ. So Jesus said, first of all, I want to leave you peace. Because this world cannot give you peace, and whatever this world gives you, it's going to be there for a moment, and then they're going to snatch it back. But I'm going to give you peace that's going to last. Because I can give you peace in me, and I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then today, as we move on into 15, he's going to give them a couple other things. He's going to give them love, and he's going to give them joy. And guys, it's hard to believe in a crazy, messed up world like we have today where everywhere we look is there's hurt and pain and strife, but that we, as God's people, can have joy. 
He promises that. He said, I can give you joy and that your joy may be full, but there's something you've got to do. You must remain in me. Let's read it together this morning. John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. Now, he's looking at these 11 men. One's left the room, remember Judas, and he says, my father is the gardener. He's the one that does the pruning, and some of them will get pruned away. Some of them were fake. Some of them were false. Some of them were not plugged into the true vine. I'm the true vine. Some were not plugged into me, and he's speaking about Judas. And he said the father pruned him away. He said, but some of you are. Some of you are, and you will bear fruit. And guys, one of the greatest ways to know if you belong to Christ or not is are you bearing fruit for Jesus Christ? Are you bearing good fruit for him? Are you telling people about the love of Jesus? Are you happy when everyone else is sad? Are you calm when everyone else is angry? Are you patient when everyone else is upset? Showing that fruits of the Spirit. Some good stuff to know. He's trying to tell them that some of you didn't make it. Some of you were not truly plugged into me. And if you're not in the true vine, you're going to die. And we'll look at that in just a minute in a more practical way. Verse 3, you are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. You remember a few weeks ago, he washed their feet. And Peter said, you can't wash my feet. I'm not worthy for you to do that. He said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you can have no part of me. And Peter said, well, just wash all of me then. And Jesus said, I don't have to wash all of you because you've been washed by the word. The word has cleansed you. The word has brought you salvation through Jesus Christ. Remember, I am the way, the truth, and life. All the way back in the beginning, Jesus said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Because of that word, because of me, because of what God has done through me, because of my salvation I'm bringing to you, you can be saved. Remain in me. That's the, that's the huge title today, guys. Remain in me. Say that to yourself over and over and over. Remain in me. Talking about Jesus. Remain in him. Remain in him. Stay plugged into him. Stay grafted into the main branch. I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. If you're trying to live this Christian life and you've never really truly been plugged into the branch of Jesus Christ, you will not succeed. It will be hollow. It will be up and down. It will be unjoyful. It will be unfulfilling. You will not be content because you are not grafted in the true vine, which is Jesus Christ. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You've got to stick around. You've got to stay here. You've got to be with me. Once you are in the vine, the vine holds you. But if you're not in the vine, you can fall away. Let's take a real brief grapevine picture here. Now, these guys would understand exactly what he's talking about using the the vine and the branch and all this analogy. But uh, as I look around here, I don't know of anybody in here that grows grapes. And so we have a hard time sometimes relating to some of the, the, the wording of the Bible. But this gives you a pretty good picture. You see the three sticks down here to your right. That is the vine. That's the true branch of the vine. That's where the roots are. That's where it gets its nutrients from the ground, kind of like a tree. And it gets its nutrients from that, and it brings the food up and the water up, and it helps the rest to grow. 
Now, the branches are the ones above the big clusters of grapes. You see the leaves and you see the branches and you see how big those branches are. But in the world of growing, a lot of you are gardeners, a lot of you are farmers, you know what goes on there. If the limb, if the stem, if whatever is not plugged into the root, what's going to happen to that leaf? It was going to wither and it's going to die. The same way in growing grapes, if that branch that's holding those grapes is not plugged into that true vine, after a while that branch will become brown, it will become dead, it will break and it will fall off. And here in a minute he says, those are the ones that the world gathers up and throws into the fire because they were not true, they were not real. Remember the Bible says that in the end, everything that we've done for the Lord is going to be tried by fire. And whatever doesn't, is not of the Lord will not, will not survive, it will burn up, it will be ashes. Same thing with dead branches. When we pick them up off the ground and they've not been plugged in the true vine, they die and they wither and they fall off. And the world picks them up, and the Father picks them up, he says, and throws them in the fire. That means they never really accepted God as their Savior. Now listen, I'm not here today to make you doubt your salvation. The Bible is very clear about what salvation is about. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall never perish, but have everlasting life. The key about this, guys, is who is doing the holding. I do not reach up and grab a hold of Jesus' hand to keep my salvation. His arm reaches down with his great grace and it stoops down to me and wraps around me and he holds me and keeps me and he will never let me go. What this is talking about is those that were never really plugged in the true vine. They might have come to church. They might have even read their Bible. They might have looked around at things. They kind of like exploring and looking. Hey, this is nice. Kind of like looking at a new house. Hey, I like this house. It's a nice house. I, I like the big bedrooms. I like the big living room. Ooh, look at the kitchen. But you know what? It's not for me. I'm going to walk away. A lot of us, if we're not careful, we're just kind of looking around in God's kingdom. Ooh, I like that when people pray for me. Ooh, I, I like the, the friendliness. But I don't like living the life. I don't like sticking up for God when everybody else is against God. I don't like staying in the Word. I don't like praying that much because I don't feel like I'm very good at it. And so, you know what? I'm I really not into that. You're really not plugged into the true vine. You see where it comes from? I'm plugged into the true vine. Now, what happens when the true vine and the branches are plugged into each other? You see the abundance of the fruit. Man, that's some big old grape bunches right there, isn't it? And that's the amazing thing, guys. When God is for us, and when we plug ourselves into him, and we say, I want to accept you as my Savior, and we have God working in us, guys, the fruit that we can produce is enormous. It can be huge. It can be life-changing for people. Not that I can change someone's life, but I can bring them to the true vine. I can show them the true vine. I can show them where they can be plugged in and grafted in. If you've ever done any work around trees, you can, take and, you can take a branch sometime and you can put a little V-notch in it and you can bring another branch and V that and put it in that V and then wrap a band around that and that will become and it will start to grow and be grafted in and all of a sudden you'll look up someday and about all you see is maybe just a little line where they originally grafted but it, but it becomes part of the tree. When you give your heart to Jesus, he takes and, he, he takes and puts you into his life 
And he wraps his love and grace and salvation around you. And you become part of him. And as your life grows and grows and grows, all of a sudden, if you get closer and closer to him, people can't tell the difference between you and God. Whew! That's where we want to get, amen? When people see us, they see Jesus. That's where we want to get. Let's read on. i got a lot of ground to cover today. I am the vine, you are the branches, Jesus said. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Here's a big statement. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's a lot of people trying to fight this Christian life on their own. We're going to look at a very misquoted statement here in just a minute. In just a minute. So I'll move on. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. Those that were never plugged in, those that were never part of the true vine, are not going to make it. I know that sounds kind of narrow-minded. I know you're saying, well, Brother Todd, you're saying that only so many people are going to go to heaven. And the Bible says, narrow is the way and few be that find it. And that's kind of sad because Jesus also said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all can find eternal life. And so, see, it's your decision. It's not God saying you can or can't get in. He's already said you can come in. He's already said you can be a part of this family. But it's you deciding if I'm going to take that step of faith and join the family or not. Am I going to let him adopt me into his family? Am I going to do that? It's on your shoulders, brothers and sisters. It's on our shoulders. Sin coming into this world not because a good God allowed sin in. Sin coming into this world because people like us decided we want more than all that we had already. Greed come into this life, and we wanted more than what God was giving us. And anytime we do that, guys, we get in trouble. When we put ourselves and our wants and our needs above what God has for us, we're cruising for a bruising, as they used to say. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, we kind of touched that last week. That is not a magic wand verse. Oh, I love that verse, Brother Todd. That means I can just pray whatever I want, wave Jesus' name over it, and boom, I get it. No, he says, when you're remaining in me, if you're part of me, if you're grafted into me, and you're so close to me, like we talked about last week, that you know my heart, and you know where I'm headed, and you know that everything about me is seeing people come to know me as Savior, and you're part of that, and you're praying that your prayer is part of getting someone to come and know you as Savior, that's going to work, and that's going to work every time. And I will answer that prayer when it's about seeing people come to know Jesus as Savior. I will answer that prayer. I'll be there for you. I know what you need. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Reading on quickly. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Here's the love part. We have peace. He gave him peace earlier. Now he's going to give him love. And guys, I want to give that to you this morning from Jesus Christ. So I've loved you. Now remain in my love. Now don't run over that. As the Father has loved me, Jesus is talking about. How much do you think God the Father loves God the Son? Oh, my goodness. It's an incredible love. It's a love like we can't hardly grasp. And then he says this, as he's loved me, I love you that much. Isn't it good to be loved? Man, I tell you, there's so many people out there today that want to be loved. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ loves you. You do not have to leave this place thinking you are not loved. There is one that loved you enough to die for you. Please understand that today. And he's willing to give you a home in heaven if you'll just follow him and accept him as Savior. He will take care of you not only today, but forevermore. He will do that for you. What an incredible love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, 
just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. What's he saying there? Do what I did. Jesus came to this earth fully God, fully man. He lived with Christ. I mean, he lived with God. He did what God said. If he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They were in perfect harmony. He said, yeah, but Brother Todd, he was God. Yeah, I understand that. But right here, he's given us the blessing. He's given us the ability if we do what? Remain in him. If we remain in him, what's going to happen? He says, you keep my commands, you remain in my love, just as I did. Follow what I did. Follow my example. Guys, I tell you, when people ask me a question, or what do you think about this, or what do you think about this in the Bible, I love to find out what Jesus said. Because when Jesus says it, you can count on it. He's not going to hide anything from you. I don't know how many times I've went back to him and Nicodemus talking in John 3. People say, how do you get saved? Don't you have to do this and plus this and plus this and plus this and plus this? Remember what he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He didn't say, and then after that we're going to add this, and then after that we're going to add this. He said, you must follow me, you must be born again. And that very simple verse I quoted first, John 3, 16, we all know it. Whoever believes in me shall have eternal life, never perish. Now, if there was something else that Nicodemus needed to do to have eternal life, if there was something else that Nicodemus had to do himself, don't you think that Jesus Christ would have told him that that night? Why would he hide that from him? This is Jesus, and Nicodemus saying, I need to know how, and he's saying, this is what you do. But so many of us, so much of the world today wants to add something. And like I told you before, if we add something to the salvation process, all of a sudden we got two saviors, and that don't ever work. God said, you're going to have no other gods before me. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Here's the other thing. Peace, love, and joy. I've told you this. Stay in me, follow me, do what I say, keep my commandments, and guess what? Your joy will be complete. I just don't feel very happy, Brother Todd. Two different things. I can be joyful and not be happy. Now, if you look at the definition of joy, though, it says to fill with ecstatic happiness, pleasure, or satisfaction. How many do you think in this world today has ecstatic pleasure and joy and satisfaction? How many in this room this morning is suffering from uh, ecstatic joy and suffering, and I mean, ecstatic joy, pleasure, and satisfaction? How many is suffering from that this morning? Not many of us, sadly. We're not ecstatic about hardly anything anymore. But Jesus said, if you remain in me and you remain in my love and you do what I say, your joy is going to be complete and you're going to have all the joy you need, that your joy will be full, that you'll be ecstatic for what Jesus has done for you. But see, we look at what the world wants to give us. We look at what we don't have. We look at what I'd like to have that over there, and I'd like to have her, or I'd like to have him, or I'd like to have this, or I'd like to have that, or I'd like to have more money, or his job, or her job, and all of a sudden, we're just, and our joy is not anywhere near complete because we're chasing everything else except Jesus Christ, the true vine, his way, his commands, and his love. You want to know why you're miserable this morning? Right here. That's why we're miserable. My command is that love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. 
right after joy. That your joy may be complete. Greater love has no man than laying down his life for a friend. Now, if I'm thinking joy, I'm thinking, you know, I'm happy, I'm fat, I'm sassy, I'm getting what I want, I'm just, whoo, loving life, and we're partying, and, we, you know, that's the way we look at joy. But you know what? That stuff is all temporary. When you love, and you love like Jesus loves, it's an incredible whole different atmosphere around your life and around what you do and around how you handle everyday, everyday things. In Max Lucado's book, The Applause of Heaven, I'm thinking about these disciples sitting there listening to that. And they're going to face some tough stuff. And Jesus said, I'm giving you peace, and I'm giving you love, and I'm giving you joy, and I want you to follow me. I'll take care of you. And somewhere in our mind, we get thinking that, hey, I follow Jesus, I can take this, I'm tough, he wants me to be tough, he wants me to stick out my upper lip and throw my fist in the air and say, nobody can defeat me. And nowhere in here did he say, and once you get a hold of me, you just stand up and do it on your own. Did you ever read that in what we just read? He said, remain in me. Without me, you can do nothing. You can't do this on your own. Listen to this. No man had more reason to be miserable than the one, this one, yet no man was more joyful. Talking about Jesus. His first home was a palace. Servants were at his fingertips. The snap of finger changed the course of history. His name was known and loved. He had everything, wealth, power, and respect. And then he had nothing. That was what we celebrated at Christmas. Remember when he came into a stable he had nothing. He went from everything to nothing in the world's eyes. Students of the event still ponder it. Historians stumble as they attempt to explain it. How could a king lose everything in one instant? One moment he was royalty, the next minute he was poverty. His bed became at best a borrowed pallet and usually the hard earth. He never owned even the most basic mode of transportation and was dependent upon handouts for his income. He was sometimes so hungry he would eat raw grain or pick fruit off a tree. He knew what it was like to be rained on, to be cold. He knew what it meant to have no home. His palace grounds had been spotless. Now he was exposed to filth. He had never known disease, but now was surrounded by illness. In his kingdom, he had been revered. Now he was ridiculed. His neighbors tried to lynch him. Some called him a lunatic. His family tried to confine them to their house. Those who didn't ridicule him tried to use him. They wanted favors. They wanted tricks. He was a novelty. They wanted to be seen with him, as, that is, until being with him was out of fashion. Remember the part we studied, then many that followed Jesus followed him no more. It wasn't cool anymore. We tend to do that sometimes. As long as it's benefiting us, we'll follow God, but when it does, I'm going to do what I want because there's something out in the world that I don't quite have yet, and I want it. I don't think I want to give everything to God because I might not get that little thing out there that I want. They wanted to kill him. He was accused of a crime he never committed. Witnesses were hired to lie. The jury was rigged. No lawyer was assigned to his defense. A judge swayed by politics handed down the penalty, the death penalty. They killed him. He left as he came, penniless. He was buried in a borrowed grave. His funeral financed by compassionate friends Though he once had everything, he died with nothing. He should have been miserable, right? 
He should have been bitter. He had every right to be a pot of boiling anger, but he wasn't. You know what he was? He was joyful. He was joyful. Mm. Sour pusses don't attract a following. People followed him wherever he went. Children avoid sore heads. Children scampered after this man. Crowds don't gather to listen to the woeful. Crowds clamored to hear him. Why? He was joyful. He was joyful when he was poor. He was joyful when he was abandoned. He was joyful when he was betrayed. He was even joyful as he hung on a tool of torture. His hands pierced with six-inch Roman spikes. Jesus embodied a stubborn joy. The world will not defeat me. The devil will not defeat me because I and the Father am one. And he says, remain in me. Tell me today, guys, we need a stubborn joy once again. A joy that refused to bend in the wind of hard times. A joy that held its ground against pain. A joy whose roots extended deep into the bedrock of eternity. Man, we need that kind of joy. What makes us joyful is our stuff. And what things we've got. And how much money we got in the bank account. How big a house we got. How many cars we got. And I'm there with you. I'm there with you. I like all that stuff. But that's not where our joy lies. That's why if we're trying to find joy in those things, that's why we're always buying something else. That's why always the next credit card is maxed out. That's why we're always trying to get something else. That's why we always need another car. That's why we always need this or we always need that. Because our joy is not in the right thing. It's not in the true vine. We hate it when life is hard. We hate it when we have to struggle. We hate it when we have to suffer. And we all do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not belittling that. But Jesus said, even in those things... If you remain in me, you will have joy and it will be full because of me. You're not dependent on me. You're dependent on your stuff. You're dependent on yourself. One of the most misquoted things in the Bible is this right here. And I had this on the website this week. Every day, this is everyday theology. This is not Bible theology. Nowhere in the Bible will you find these words. And I know when people say them to us, and I've said them before, it's just a thing of comfort. But I am telling you this. God won't give you more than you can handle is a lie. Any more than you can handle. You see which word is, out, is, is, is in bold? You. Because, see, if we look at it this way, all of a sudden we don't have to remain in the true vine. We're out here and we're just getting strong enough and we're getting tough enough and I can do this and I'm big enough and I'm bold enough. I can take on anything. And I'm telling you, I go back to the verse we just read. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Here's what the verse really says. Next verse. Next screen, I'm sorry. Here's, what the ver- here's, here's how that became, this became that. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Notice the key word there, temptation. Doesn't say anything about, I'm not going to give you more than you can handle. Temptation. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There's where we get the verse. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. 
Now, that's, not, that's nothing about, I'm not gonna, he's not going to give me more than I can handle. I'm telling you, you're going to get more than you can handle in this life. Amen? Ask some of the people in this room. Just in the past month, some people in this room have gotten more than they can handle. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. This has to do with temptation. This has to do with battling sin. This has to do with us choosing to go away from Christ. He says, every time you have that choice, I can make you a way out if you'll remain in me. This is not about, oh, I'm not going to put on you more than you can bear. See, that's what we like. We like that everyday theology because that makes Christianity easy. We like to accept Christ. We like to write our name on the church roll, get dunked in the water, and now I'm done. But there's so much more than that. It's an everyday thing of remaining in Christ, staying with him, staying true, following his commands, reading his word, praying. And when temptation comes, when it comes time to go against God or for God, he promises right here that I will make you a way to escape. We've been chasing a mouse in our house for about four weeks. Something keeps making a way for him to escape. I've got traps everywhere. I'm afraid I'm going to step in one one morning or the daughters or something, you know. But he'll go down that way and he goes in the closet and there's no way he can get out of there and I'm in there trying to get him and he's gone. And then he goes around the corner and he goes back in there and I know I've got him trapped. Shut the doors. I had him, the other night I had the bathroom shut, towels at the doors. I had my broom. I was ready. I had him ready. He's in there. Man, I went to whacking at something, anything. Nothing. He was made a way to escape. This morning about 2 o'clock. One of them good Steve Kirk traps. Clap. He didn't have a way to escape. Every time trouble comes to you in the way of turning against God, are turning for God. Jesus, through his power, can make you a way to escape. Your choice is, do I want to escape or do I want to go eat and, and dine and warm by the enemy's fire? That's where he'll give you the strength to do it. But it's him. It's not us. It's him. It's him. Here's the verse that he does say. Come to me. God will not put more on me than I can stand. God didn't put more on you. This world will put more on you than you can stand. You cannot do it by yourself. Everybody say, I cannot do it by myself. One, two, three. I cannot do it by myself. One more time. I cannot do it by myself. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. That's where it is. That's the verse we need. I'll help lighten your load, but I need you to come along beside of me. Remember what he says? I think it's right here. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's because, have you ever seen an old oxen yoke? There's a thing to put your head through here, and there's another one for that one. That means if you're trying to pull by yourself, it's hard. But Jesus gets alongside of you, and he pulls with you. And he says, now your burden's lighter. Now it's easier. Now you can make it through me. But I promise you guys, I promise you boys and girls, 
This world will put on you more than you can handle, and that's when you need Jesus Christ. So, remain in Him. Remain in Him. Remain in the true vine. Let's read it one more time. One more screen. Here's the picture real quick. Here's what it's about. And this picture is one of the most powerful pictures I know. Look what's in his hands. The hammer and the nails that nailed him to the cross. Look what's flowing in his feet. The blood that he shed for our salvation. And what does he do? Does he holler at us? Does he scream at us? Does he rebuke us? No, he picks us up because he died for us. And he takes on our burden. He takes on what we're fighting. He takes on our temptations. And we remain in him and he will give us rest. Amen and hallelujah. Let's read it one more time in closing. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You want to be a fruit bearer for Jesus? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Please remember that today. If you are fighting something on your own and it seems overwhelming, quit fighting it on your own. Follow Jesus. Apart from me, I can do nothing, Jesus says. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and we've done for you. For this is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing the world that you are my disciples. On the days that you can have the worst possible day of your life, and you stand up and you remain in Christ. And you say, this hurts like it's never hurt before. But I know that my Redeemer liveth. liveth. I know that he is going to bear me up. And I know that he's going to hold me. And I can cast my cares upon him. And no matter what I face, as hard as this is, Jesus is still God. He is still my Redeemer. And I will be victorious through him. And on those days, that's when we shine the light of Jesus and we glorify the Father. That's the days we do it. Not when everything's going our way. Not when we got everything all worked out and everything smooth, but on your very hardest days when you can stand up and praise God in your trials. Then you give glory to God because you are resting in him and not on yourselves. And that's good to know, amen? That's good to know. Would you bow with me this morning? I know for some of you it's hurting really bad right now. There's some things that hasn't went right. There's some things that's went terribly wrong. There's some struggles in families. There's some struggles at home. There's some struggles at work. There's some, some struggles with health. There's some struggles with loss. But guys, I, I can't take it away this morning, but I know who can help you. And he says, I'm the true vine. And I can, I can help you. Cast your cares on me. Come to me, all you the weary and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. You notice he doesn't say, I'll take it away. You notice he doesn't say, I'll make it go away forever. He says, I'll just give you a moment's rest. And that's the way this life is, guys. Life's going to keep beating on us. But that's why I say church is so important. 
Because when life's beat on you all week long, you come here and you hear what Jesus has and what he can do and how much he loves you, and it, it builds you up, and you go back out in this world and you go to fighting again because it's going to be a fight until we go home. I wish I could tell you something different, but it is. But he says, remain in me and come into me all you're weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I hope you feel rest this morning for just a moment. Just a minute, they're going to play some music and you need some prayer, if you need just some comfort, if you need some rest, I invite you to come and pray around this altar. Grab one of us and we'll pray with you if you need that. There's a whole bunch of chairs here empty on the front. You can come pray in. If you can't kneel, you can just sit. There's cards up here on the stage. I'd love for you to come and grab one of these and pray for someone. Some of our members, come and grab one of these cards and pray for them. And then just lay it back down after you pray so we can pray for them again. The other thing is, there's been several of you have been talking about joining our church. I'd love to see you do that today. We, we need a bunch. We need a big bunch of grapes. We need to bear some good fruit together. If you've been thinking about that, I, I just challenge you today to go ahead and do that. We'd love to have you. Maybe you've never been grafted into the true vine. Maybe you've never been saved. And there's nothing about your life that screams God. There's nothing about your life that screams the fruit of Savior. Maybe today you need to give him your life. We'd love to tell you how to do that. Just pray a simple prayer right there where you're at. Dear Jesus, I know you died for me. I know you love me, and I know you, you gave all so that I may have eternal life. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, you tell us that your word says that all have sinned and fall short, and I have sinned. But Lord, I trust you, and I believe in you, and I want you to save me today. Lord, will you please save me? And I guarantee in the next verse you can say, and thank you for saving me because he will. Just ask him today. Don't be in a hurry today. We need this rest. We need this rest. Because it's hard. I'm the true vine. I'll give you rest. And Father, we thank you for comforting us. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are hurting this morning. Lord, I wish I could take all their hurt away, but I know you're there and you will strengthen them. Lord, help them not to fight this crazy struggle on their own, but to come unto you, and you will give them rest. Lord, thank you. Thank you for moving, Lord. Lord, speak to those that need your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.